one. The pre-market prep show is all about scenario analysis, right? Triple D came up with a wild one. What if we rally like another 90 handles in the next three days and we're flat for the month of August? I think that would totally confuse the bulls and the bears. Not some great tech earnings today after mega cap tech just ripped your face off yesterday. We got some economic data coming out, 8.15, 8.30. See if that shakes things up. We'll look at the IPO market with Eric Kroll at 8.35. We're fired up. It's Wednesday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, trading in the red after yesterday's furious rally, only by five handles at 45.02. Uh, the buck pulled off yesterday. That helped things down about a nickel the day at 103.42. Bonds helped us out yesterday. They're down a little less than a half a point here at 120 and 28.30 seconds. Crude back above 80, uh, just looking at those daily highs, trying to clear them up 50 cents, 81.66. Gold participating in the rally up 240, 1967.50. Silver after a monster day yesterday, giving back 9.4 cents at uh, 2504. And Bitcoin got the big catalyst yesterday. That's down $525 at 27,485. Let's bring in uh, Triple D. Triple D, and I guess you could say. So goes NVIDIA, so goes the market. A hundred percent. I mean, it drives everything. And just stop looking at anything else. All your other indicators just have NVIDIA on your screen. That is the reason we started blasting off yesterday. It opened and just they just could not stop buying it. It went from four. So it opened down yesterday. And it went from 464 up to 484. In about 30 minutes. And then you had to know. I even tweeted it out. I was like, this AI rally's back. I mean, that was just the tell for the entire market. And it just kept rallying all day, the market. NVIDIA didn't really build on that, but the rest of the market did. So you've got to use those indicators to know when to flip, especially you're a trader. Keep NVIDIA on your screen. It is the leader of all leaders here right now. That was an unbelievable comeback for NVIDIA. And then it brought the whole entire market up with it. And that wasn't even the biggest winning component in the S&P 500 index because Tesla caught yeah. out fire yeah. too. And that was up 7%. And they, and they moved that, together. Yeah. They're, they're, those two stocks have been moving together for a while. And we talked about Tesla cup and handle yesterday, Joel, on the show. You right? did. We, you this day or the day before. And we're like, technically, you kind of like the setup here. Technically, you can kind of see that this was, you know, a potential, you know, for it to break out here. I thought it would run into resistance at 250. I thought it could go from 240 to 250. It blew through that to 257. You know, and then interesting enough, they pull the rug on the same day from the VFS. So like when we did the analysis, <laughs> remember on the VFS, I was like, if you're going to buy VinFast, why aren't you buying Tesla? And that would have been the play. You know, sell VinFast, buy Tesla and just kill it yesterday because they pulled the rug out from under. <laughs> Props to Spinner who called it out on the show pre-market. He said the options chain had come out and he thought they could pull the rug out from it. So good call, Spinner. Uh, he's been one of our, if you don't know, Jay, he's been in the chat here for about 10 years with us since we started the show. And he's look, we've learned so much from him as well. And he's absolutely correct. The options chain come out. And they just murdered the stock. Hedgers, man. They can't, why would yep. you not, if you were long that stock and you didn't want to sell it, you know, why wouldn't you, you know, sell some options? And uh, that certainly happened on that one. We kind of had heads off on that one. It's up two and a quarter today. But uh, I guess uh, we could bring in Money Mitch here. And uh, I guess if you're not AI in tech, then 
You're nothing here. We got some. Well, I don't agree with that at all. Everything rallied yesterday. It was the everything rally. We've been talking about the rotation station where they're buying some stocks and selling other stocks. That was not the case yesterday at all, Joel. The case yesterday was NVIDIA brought up not only the AI plays in tech, it brought up the entire market here. I mean, IWM Mm -hmm. had a day here too. And that's, you know, you're looking at the other 2000 stocks, you know, the small caps. So, I mean, that, you know, is, it was just an everything rally yesterday. As much as the bulls or the bears were in complete control after the NVIDIA fall on the good earnings, it all turned around yesterday. And we were concerned about it from the bearish standpoint. One, you know, we had Ryan Dietrich, our guests were all over this. Tim on Monday said, you know, he thought that there was potential for a bond BN. Ryan came on the show and took us off the bear train. He did, you know, he did. Talking with his stats and stuff and saying eventually this could turn around and we've had a little dip here. And it gives you a perspective here. So props to both of our guests, Ryan Dietrich and Tim Quast, obviously, on their analysis because both correct here. And we blasted off. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I stayed bearish a couple days too long. You could... I. I started turning bullish after the open, after I saw NVIDIA. But man, if you were just buying stocks at the open yesterday, you're banking coin. When I was talking about wasn't stuff that's in the Wall Street Journal, stuff that happened yesterday, what I was referring to was uh, HPQ, uh, you know, the earnings uh, reports that we had after the close. They weren't great. Yeah. No, they definitely weren't great. Now, one area I definitely saw also strong, I also saw financials come back a little bit yesterday. And I think a little part of me kept watching those to see if we were going to get continued weakness in the KRE. And you could look at an XLF um, and the way that JPM has been dropping off right now. We started to get a little bounce back. JPM wasn't as strong yesterday as some of the other ones. Um, so I'm going to keep an eye out to see if it's an everything rally, but definitely, of course, led by tech. And yeah, I agree with you, Dennis. It was just all all the, the whole board. And I always focus that change um, from the open and you could see it. Everything green. Yeah, you really energy. Could. It was quick. Even oil was up. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You would think that maybe like that would be like the the opposite uncorrelated. No, it was an everything rally. They just rally. wanted stocks. They just They're wanted like, it. And the algos the took We got to go. It. Another thing that I didn't see often is a lot of times when we get rallies, we'll get a little pullback to VWAPs. The Qs yesterday and NVIDIA, no pullback. It was just straight up. Straight up. And uh, a lot of times I'm looking for those pullbacks to jump in on these style of plays. So how do we get in on these style of plays where it's just a, a pure takeoff? I'd like to kick it to Joel um, because... Even I'm here struggling to think, how do I go in now looking, where do I go and to buy the dip? Uh, well, you're going to get dips. I mean, if there's anything this market's taught us over the, you know, over the last, you know, month or, you know, even this year. I mean, you got some data coming out that could shake things up a little bit. Uh, you just have to, you know, dig into your, you know, your shorter term indicators or like something like JP Morgan, I'm looking at it here, three highs in the same area really hasn't gone yet. Maybe you could play it something that hasn't gone yet. But as far as like Apple, which had the catalyst uh, yesterday, NVIDIA, you know, that had the move yesterday. You just, you know, watch unchanged. You know, if you're this bullish, you think we're going to have a four day rally, then you want to own stuff unchanged. And then you just you can't lean on yesterday's low. Because, you know, unless you, you know, unless you use pretty big stops, but, but we know, we know there'll be something, there'll be some, some buy the dip opportunities here. We are well off the low of the moon. And we have, and we have some economic data coming in too, correct? Some stuff today. What do we have? Give us the calendar here. Oh yeah. Okay. So of course at 815, we're going to get ADP job data. And then what I'm really interested in is at 830, we get GDP and uh, an updated second read um so we'll see what happens there that could come in a little light we'll see what happens yeah but Will that's bad news is good sh- news bad yeah that's news the problem supposedly <laughs> now the they're saying control it is supposedly now they're saying that bad news is good news here um i i don't know how that one works team sometimes the even market I get likes stories on that one. though i want to go back to what you opened the show here with joe because the market likes a story media yeah. likes a story and the market makes stories happen i don't know how it does it but it does <laughs> and what a story it would be if august closed green because august was an epic disaster three days ago 
And in th two, three days, like you said, we just built on this rally. You know, the QQQs, we rallied from 358 to 374. That's an incredible rally. What a story it would be if August closed green. So how far are we away in the S&P for it to do that? You were uh, in the S&P, we talked about it. It's uh, it's 90 handles uh, in the S&P. I mean, we moved 60 yesterday. And for the Qs, it's about... It's not, you know, it is a far, it is that far, right? It's 90 yeah. handles away? Yeah, yep, yep. Because here is the... Uh, I could go to the S&P ended the uh, the month at uh end yeah. of july so I think that's and, off the table what about the cues let's take a look at the cues ah little yeah they still got to get to three uh uh they, they ended the month at uh 380 383 and a half it seems seems almost unattainable but it'd be a fun story if they came all the way back and took your green so i don't know if we go let's see what this data we obviously have pce data. this week yep. And then we have jobs on Friday. Yep. So we got a pile of economic data coming. We got a pile of information coming here. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting going into Labor Day weekend. Oh yeah, Labor Day rally. All right, let's talk about let's go to Bitcoin. Bitcoin stocks rocketing off yesterday on the grayscale news. The U.S. District of Columbia courts appealed the rule against the SEC's rejection of grayscale's investment application for a spot Bitcoin ETF. Um, of course, this is a big importance in cryptocurrency and asset management industry as they attempt to gain SEC approval for a Bitcoin ETF. Um, there's other companies included that are doing it right now. And a lot of people think that th since this is going through, that those other ETFs will also be able to get through various firms, including BlackRock, Fidelity, Wisdom Tree have spot uh, has filed for that spot Bitcoin ETF. So now we can definitely take a look at these Bitcoin stocks. It was a monster move. We were mm. pointing towards it. There was a, a look that it could get going on start swing trade on Mara, but man, what a move yesterday. And obviously, you know, this is what they want. This is what the market has wanted for a long time is a Bitcoin ETF. So as it gets closer, it's not surprising that this, you know, obviously catalyst driven, news driven here move. This isn't just coming out of the blue from technicals. This is news driven. News drives price. That's why I've always said, if you're just looking just at technicals, you miss a lot of other opportunities. Because when you see a headline that the SEC is potentially going to prove a Bitcoin ETF. And, you know, obviously they've been fighting and fighting and they might do it. That is going to drive Bitcoin up every day. I don't give a crap what the chart looks like. So now does it build on it? Do we back and fill? I think uh, now I think it's but technically on dips. You're probably buying Bitcoin because where there's smoke, there may be fire. And if they do approve this ETF, this could rally even more. So I think you're buying dips on Bitcoin. We talked about this and I said, man, it's just it was one of those setups and you get these in stocks, too, where you can you can look both ways. Right. You got the support. There's all kinds of support at 26K. And what I said was, hey, you know, you got a low risk long here. And if it cracks the low of the move, then, you know, maybe try for the short side. I know it's hard to short the actual physical Bitcoin, but you got the, you know, you got you got the catalyst. Now, today's important, uh, you know, a little bit of uh a little bit of selling off, maybe you get back half of this move. But man, those those kind of formations in Bitcoin, when it consolidates like that, it uh, it gives you a pretty good setup. It moves some of the stocks as well. Uh, Mara had a big day, you know. We'll oh. see. Yeah, Mara Riot. And and then of course we need to keep a close eye on Coinbase because they are the ones that a lot of the different of companies that went for the spot Bitcoin. They're proposing that. Coinbase be the one that oversees the trading. And so I think this could be even more beneficial for coin than maybe even all the other companies. So Coinbase definitely getting a lift yesterday. I'm going to actually watch for pullbacks on coin. Just look at, look at all the consolidation too here we had going into this. I mean, the straight yes. down kind of gave back the entire rally from July. And all of these things were just sitting down here, kind of hanging out, trying to figure it out. And Unbelievably, here we go again. And I mean, ADP's by the dips, you can't break them. 
Yeah, I know. I, I'm getting sidetracked because I'm like, it's old, it's old, it's old. And I was like, wow, what's going on? <laughs> it's been right, a wide. Let's get, let's get the ADP number welcome, here. Ben Griffin. 177,000 <laughs> versus 195,000 estimate prior was 324,000. Uh, so a little bit light under the estimate here. But the remember, the last one was super over the estimate. So, I mean, these jobs numbers have been hard to read lately. I mean... I don't. I don't necessarily give this anything. But what do you guys do? What do you guys see? I saw oh, a pop in the market. Read. Yeah, yeah. Go I ahead, mean, guys. it was a little little pop. What is that? Thir- Three handles. Um, yeah, I mean, eighty-seven to go. Coming back. <laughs> it's already coming back. To go. <laughs> it's already coming back. Eighty-eight so. to go. I don't know, man. I, I don't think that number did anything, at least for the jobs so number. Um, but we'll see what happens with GDP when that comes out at eight thirty. Um, and I think that uh, it's interesting to see these Bitcoin stocks, but there's some other ones, right? Let's name some of the other relationship plays, right? So sure. there's Hut, um, there's Hive, right? We um, we can take a look at that one. There's BTBT. There's so many of these names. And what about the bigger one, MSTR? Mm. All the charts, amazingly, and I talk about pair trading and relationships. All of these charts look identical. Identical. Look at the Even last, MSTR. Identical identical mstr i mean right down there like look at them coinbase mstr mara riot hive all identical relationships work folks yeah and and when the news came out a little part of me was just like calling out the relationships and i was wondering is there a play like that when you get a catalyst to maybe just hedge a little bit there dennis and There's go a play to all just try things. to get whatever one didn't go. So yeah. the way I trade, when you have a group, and we got called it piston trading. Don Bright actually coined yep, that. Yeah, he made that up. Trading. Called it piston trading. And why? Because you got like, you know, when you have two stocks, it's a pair. But when you have multiples, there's pistons. So you think about like the six pistons going on. So you have like a group of banks, a group yeah. of my Bitcoin miners, you know, a group of food stocks. They call it piston trading. And one's coming down, he's buying the one going lower and selling the one going higher. And always just, you know, that these relationships hold through the longer term. And again, inefficiencies don't exist as much as they did back in the year 2000 when Don Bright was coining this. But I mean, this it's built on that. So you see one miner going and the next miner going and one hasn't gone yet. You got to be quick, but there is opportunity still. Not like, you know, like not talking here hours or probably not even minutes, but if you're pretty quick, you know, first few seconds of a move, 20 seconds of a move, you can still pick up those peer plays. So um, there is opportunities for always for looking and knowing everything in the group. So what I have is groups of stocks, you know, and this is what people don't do. This is what, you know, the majority of people, it's boring. You ever hear somebody come on CNBC and talk about groups of stocks? You know, like, here's my, you know, here's you know, the, remember we had the COVID group, you know, we had the non-COVID and we had the reopening trade and then we had this and the groups change. So, you, you know, grouping stocks is such a fabulous way for traders to get a better picture of what is really going on. Dennis, the stock matchmaker. You guys know it. <laughs> All right. What's let's that? go to let's go to the hurricane trade. I I've made say, my entire living. Sometimes trading. you're right. By groups. Sometimes you're wrong. In this case, I got to say, Dennis, I was wrong. I was wrong. Look at the hurricane now taking Florida right now. And I think that they even classified it a category four right before it made land. So definitely praying for everybody out there to stay safe. Um, Hopefully, at least this time, it didn't go through what I was worried, which was another St. Lucie kind of entrance remember last year down south it kind of destroyed there yeah um, this one went a little bit higher than tampa you guys can see the picture here this was from 7 30 this morning um definitely gusts coming i know i will get some of the effects in probably a day or two so who knows maybe i got some internet issues we'll find out what's going on there but let's talk about the hurricane trade and how maybe you guys can be jumping on a trade right here and well, dennis gave you it it gave it's you over it. Yeah, so, I gave you it so on the Venera. trade. So we were talking about the hurricane trade last few days here. I was long GNRC. I'm still long in my long-term account, but I was long extra in my trading account over the last few days. And it's paid because we started this thing 
I don't know where I started picking up, but I've been in and out all the way up here. So playing it from the long side, I sold the rest of it last night ahead of it. So I sold out the rest of it in the 123 area. Um, it was a good trade. The hurricane trade is a classic grouping trade. You know, your Home Depots and your Lowe's and your, your GNRCs. And there's the rental companies you can get into. And then you can go the opposite and say, well, the reinsurers or the insurance. Just understanding that trade. We've played this trade. I've played this trade for probably over the years. years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I just understand the trade very well. Generac is one they think about quickly. And the CEO was even on CNBC yesterday after hours. So, I mean, it gave the stock a lift. It's up. Does the rally continue from here? Typically, after the hurricane makes landfall, it starts to fizzle out. So I think the trade for GNRC is over. I think the long-term investment is still there. So I'm sticking with it from a valuation perspective. I still like it as a long-term investment. But the trade perspective of this, where it's up about $7 since the hurricane started, I think that's fully priced. There's no, uh, really, no daily highs to contend with here because uh, you had the gap down on the er uh, on the earnings day. That high was 132.95. So just keep an eye on your pre-market high. Right now that comes in at 23.76. And then um, also, I mean, the stock's a pretty good mover, but uh, sometimes on occasions like this, you could use the average daily range. Let's say this moves like two, three bucks a day, three bucks a day, gets up another buck from here. You know, the, you know, the reversion to the mean traders come in. But uh, too, I was looking at that one. I was thinking of adding it and then it just it gapped up on there. And I'm just so horrible at buying gap ups over, uh, you know, over a good level instead of waiting it for it to come back to that area. So let's hope everyone's safe down there. And yeah, uh, for sure, it, that's number one. We yep. hope everyone is safe. I mean, we had lots 100%. of warnings here, obviously. Hopefully, you know, those who need to evacuate got out okay. Obviously, we hope the damage is minimal here. Um, yeah. That's number one. Yeah, Florida Florida guys know how to usually handle the hurricanes. Like I always say, it's They're the tornadoes it. and hurricanes that are the worst, right? And that's what you got to definitely be careful about let's let's move to an interesting uh of course this could be a ford outlook event what about apple's event coming september 12th i think they called it wonderlust um so it wonderlust. looks like um oh, I, I was looking game. around um they were talking about how some people were saying that this could include different iphone colors of course gene was out there talking about that so if you guys want of course Check out Gene Munster. He was definitely covering uh, what he thinks the September 12th launch event could bring. And I think this could bring a rally in Apple, maybe even getting it back to 200. Well, never um, went to 200. I mean, uh, back up there. You, you get what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got the earnings gap to take a look at. First things first, you want to take out the next day, uh, you know, the high from yesterday. That's going to be key for all the stocks. And it looks like, but this way the S&Ps are acting, that might not uh, be too hard. We are 84.90 was your high yesterday. Then your next daily high is 187.38, and that cre uh, creates a gap. So can Apple move three? If the market catches a strong bid, sure. Uh, and if you feel like you want to try it on a day trade, maybe get one big flush off the, well, not big of a flush, but come down to unchanged on the day, that uh, potential long, but uh Great day for Apple, and it was just, you know, when they start, you know, buying the index, they got to buy the big stocks in the index, and uh, Apple definitely benefited from it's it. It's already bounced so much, 171 to 184. I mean, now you're coming in, where were you three, four days ago, I'm going to say, on Apple. So is there room to 190? Sure. Valuation is still crazy on this stock. There's so many other stocks that are reasonably valued. This is not one of them. This revenue is not growing. It's not like this is a super high growth company anymore. Until they figure out a new product and not just so reliant on the iPhone. I mean, this is trading 30 times earnings. So this has been my argument for a while though. And I've been, I was right for a while. I've been wrong about it now. Obviously the stock's coming back, but I just think if you want to be in tech, be in other stuff. Like, I don't think Apple's the best place to be in tech anymore. Uh, they peaked uh, a couple quarters ago in Q1 at $121.1 billion. Next quarter, uh, which was uh, uh, Q3, or excuse me, Q2, it went, went 80, 88, 74, 121, 92, and then 81. So, I mean, yeah, they're beating the estimates, but the overall revenue is coming down. There's just a pile of tech stocks that are trading 
you know, 18, 20 times. Maybe you want to be in a Broadcom. Maybe you want to be in a Qualcomm. Maybe you want to be, you know what? You can make an argument. You'd be better in an NVIDIA. At 47 times forward earnings, you're probably better in NVIDIA than Apple. I'm not joking. Apple's 30 times, 47 times. NVIDIA's growing like crazy right now. Apple doesn't grow at all. I'd, I'd argue NVIDIA's better than Apple. From a, even right. from almost the valuation perspective, and it's it's just hard to say that after these moves, but isn't you it? Know what? But, but they... isn't that incredible? The move that Nvidia has had, and it's forty-seven <laughs> times more earnings only. Is that not incredible? Forty-six point nine times process. Yes, it's one hundred and seventeen current, but the Ford, and obviously, you know, we're, we're check, projecting out from the previous quarters, and maybe there was full Ford, and maybe this is as good as it gets for Nvidia. But it's pretty incredible to think about. We were talking about Nvidia at seventy times earnings. The stock is now at all-time highs, and now we're talking about a 47 times earnings. That's how fast the E is going up. They went from 7.1 billion, 1.9 billion to 13.5 billion. That's growth. I don't mind paying <laughs> 40 times earnings for that kind of growth. What's the Apple? Where has the Apple growth been? Has it even grown at all? I think it's declined revenue here. Last two quarters. Look at those numbers here in the pro, Mitch. Yeah. I know I'm throwing you under the bus. For I, this, I, I got it up. I got it up. I can stop my screen. Can you show here. it? Show yeah, it. yeah. I, I mean, you're paying 30 times earnings for a company that is not growing. It's just a mammoth. It's hard to grow that. If they ever run into trouble with the iPhone, I mean, the iPhone is everything. It's always been like 50% of revenues. Now, again, maybe Apple comes out with something cool and new, like our or something crazy, or maybe it's going to be something AI-related. But until they come with a real... It's how long can they milk this iPhone story? 15 years, it has all well, been driven by seeing, iPhone. Seeing how the consumer just always gets the new one, Dennis, I think they could just keep doing it. I don't know. I, unless you go into <laughs> recession. I, I see everybody. They're like, oh, I want the new one. I want the new one. I want the new one. There are already well, people talking about then? the new one right now. What what has happened to revenue though? I mean, we're paying thirty times earnings for. They no don't growth. have anything new, and I think that that's what you're pointing to. Also, there's. I think what's the, the whole next reason? Thing? The whole reason that Apple is exactly what Den just said in, in the in the chat. Everybody views it as the safe place to be in tech. What yeah. if one day it's not the safe place to be? I just think I don't mind tech. But I'm thinking if you're paying 30 times earnings, why not pay 45 times earnings for NVIDIA? It's grown like crazy. So I'm not paying either because I I just, you know, it's, a, it's still a little bit too much for me. But I just don't see. And again, I owned Apple. It's not like I'm like didn't participate in this, folks. I owned Apple in my long-term account for seven years straight. I, my average cost basis was $25. I sold it last year at $155 and $180. And I'm out. And the reason when I bought it, it was 13 times earnings. And now when I've sold it, it's 30 times earnings. 13 times earnings and growing like crazy. 30 times earnings and not growing at all. It's just not as attractive as it was a decade ago. I do not think Apple is going to be the stock for the next decade. I'm saying this with my long-term investing hat on. Nothing to do with trading. I don't know where it's going tomorrow. I don't know where it's going next week. But I think there's going to be a lot better performers in the next decade than Apple. Man, this is the first time I've seen the chat actually hate a little bit on Apple, at least just overall consensus. And uh, this is interesting. It's interesting. Google, 22 times. That's a hell of a lot cheaper. Google's got you know, oh. all kinds of stories. The one issue with Google is if Microsoft really grabs market share on ChatGPT from search, that would really punish Google. So that's the risk with Google. But still, they got the AI story. They got the bird or whatever the hell they call it, I mean. There's an AI story there too. And there's an AI story in Apple as well. But I just don't think, like, it, it's almost like a consumer staple. And maybe, you know, that's what it is. You know, the, the iPhone is a consumer staple. Dividend. They give it the higher. It's got a little dividend to it, 0.52%, really not much at all. But, and then you have a pile of cash. All right, so guys, I'm going to come in safe. here. I'm going to come in here. Sorry to interrupt, Dennis. Just so going to want to give us the yep. GDP Sorry, number yep. before it hits. Good call. Uh, yep. consensus is 2.4 here prior being 2.0 GDP about to hit at 8:30 here. Um, so we'll see if this actually causes a market wide reaction. Um, we'll have all eyes on it and we'll see if, uh, Joel can, uh, let us know if we sees any action here on the chart. Yeah, I just went to the, up. I went, I went to the one minute here and, uh, we're popping, we're popping. Is it, uh, 
Is it All weak? right, here we are. Core PCE prices. Um, I got US core PCE prices coming in. I don't have the GDP yet, but the core Q2 3.8 to 3.8 estimate. Of course, uh, the PCE one that we'll be looking at is tomorrow. Uh, but looking here, retail inventories for X autos coming in at 0.1 to 0.3 prior. I'm trying to get the GDP report here and I'll get it to you guys in just a second. Okay, we just we real quick we cleared yesterday's high at 0950s. That's a, already traded through it uh, several times. It's not a big level. The level I'm focused on uh, for this morning and for the remainder of the day, uh, right, real close to the uh, the Globex high. Your Globex high was 16 and a quarter. Your only daily high in there was from August 16th. So there's your level. That would be a continuation on the upside, and then uh, that's where things open up if you can clear. 45 17 and a quarter so so far the numbers have been kind to the market here we went from uh in the red about five six handles when the show started and now in the green by five and a half handles so bears by the are dips lurking by the dippers yeah. are lurking out here can't shake those by the dippers all right uh i'm seeing out here actual 2.1 below the consensus of 2.4 so that's what i got there uh 2.1 below the consensus of 2.4%, showing a little bit of some slowdown compared to the estimate prior to 2.0. the Fed can stop. Right? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Dennis? Rallying. I mean, I mean, you could view it like that off That's of a point four, a point three decrease there. But what you said, the Fed's going to stop, Dennis. Is that what you That's said? No, and I said that's what the market's thinking. That means the Fed can stop. I mean, that's what GDP is starting to slow down. And lower, and lower rates. Get us back down to 1%. Lower the rates. We're in a recession <laughs> here, folks. GDP is only 2.1%. Oh, these guys. Still <laughs> that's these guys. Who they knows? got the bullets in the chamber to do it. They do, right? Uh, that's, I mean, they... that's the reason, Joel. That's the main reason why you can't be eternally bearish here because they got too many bullets in the chamber here now. They can shoot down a recession yeah, just like that with bullets. lowering rates. It's hard to get eternally bearish. I, I mean, I don't I think wish they I would have down the bullets three days ago when Tim came on the show. I think a little part of me would think they want a recession, but that's just me. Well, they do. Oh no, not a little part. They they do. They basically have said it. You know, they want to slow it. That's how they were going to kill inflation was by recession. I mean, if it works out, you get the soft landing, get the soft landing. But we know we kind of had the recession with the two periods, you know, the two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. We had it. We had it last year. But I still think like I think we're gonna slow down. But again, if we slow down, they just start lowering rates and the party continues. That's true. Johnson that's the both worlds for uh, I was gonna say I mean I, you know just uh, the Powell I mean you know as much as you you know can disagree with you know some of his policies and he was uh you know what was it transitory transitory Brandy. inflation yeah until runaway inflation and now it just seems like when you hear him speak I mean there's one thing you have to say I mean he just has this like this, he knows these numbers, right? When he's talking and, and he, you know, he knows, you know, he has the, he has the book in front of him, but you know, he's just very comfortable. Like we're, we may not be done. It's data dependent, but we'll see. Uh, S&P still remaining green. Did you want to, uh, is Eric here yet? Or are we going to do a, 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 um, an earnings stop? I, I really quickly just wanted to at least get, get Johnson and Johnson. Okay. Uh, let's do J and J. Just really quickly here, guys, they announced updated financials for 2023 following the completion of the Kenvu separation. Uh, their updated full year 23 guidance is expected to report sales growth of 7 to 8%. Prior range was at 6.5 to 7.5. Um, and then you look at some other numbers, operational growth is 7.5% to 8.5%. It was at 7 to 8%. Uh, their adjusted EPS outlook is pretty much in line. It went down a little bit here from $10 to $10.10 <laughs> versus the previous of $10.70. Uh, the consensus was $10.65. So it was just a little bit like a little bit of a pullback on their guidance here. But it isn't massive. What do you guys see on Johnson & Johnson? Same thing I'm going to keep saying. The talc issue is not settled here, so no touch for me. 
Uh, I wish I would have shorted at 173, 174 when I was saying that this was possibly not even a sell, but a short. Um, it's down 10 bucks from there here. I think all rallies are going to be sold on this. I think this talc issue is going to be over the stock. The stock's not cheap. Stock's consumer staple. If it starts to get into a bull market here, they want the stock anyways. Cash is a way better alternative to J&J. And I think the talc issue is going to knock the stock down eventually significantly here. If there's one stock that I hate the most, it might be Johnson & Johnson. All rallies to be sold, in my opinion. Okay, let's go ahead. Let's get to our guest. Good morning to Eric Kroll, Kroll Asset Management, the uh, co-author of The Life Cycle Trade. And I know you were kind of in hibernation there in 2022 <laughs> with the IPO market, but things are heating up a little bit. Tell us what so far the year has brought us in 2023. Well, good morning, gentlemen. It's good to be back. Uh, the market is, the IPO market has been in hibernation and it looks like it's starting to uh, wake up a little bit. Um, we have a couple IPOs that were recently filed. And uh, let's see how the market treats those. All right. So just overall, I mean, uh, I Mitch put that graph up here to, yeah. to the chart to show 2021 excessive speculation. Oh, yeah. How much do you think that, uh, you know, well, we'll first talk about, you know, the expectations on the amount of recovery. Uh, but then, you know, let's talk about after that, let's go into the uh, performance so far. Okay. Well, first, uh, what I've seen in the past uh, looking at history is that after we have uh, a, a great market and a bull market, and then you get the uh, kind of the blow off top of the number of IPOs. And remember, uh, 2021 also had the SPACs. Um, so yeah. uh, that's 397 IPOs in uh, um, 2021, that doesn't count another 400 some odd SPACs. Um, so the, all the froth was, you know, went uh, out in 2021. And typically after the bull ends, uh, we, we do go down, but you can see that ex excessive speculation really drove the number down to in 2022, there were only 68 IPOs. We've had 71 this year so far, a little better because we're the year isn't over yet but they've all been small. I mean, look at the amount of capital raised uh, in 2022 and 2023, very small. Um, you know, we were looking at these were IPOs. Sometimes they came out, they raised only 15 million, $20 million. Um, and some of them, many of them, you can tell also the quality of them. They're priced at four and five and $6. Those are terrible uh, prices. I mean, if there's anything people can uh, learn from today, it's like if you see an IPO and they price the night before below 10, don't even look at it. It's just the it's not a quality one. All right. Let's start looking at what happened in 23. What has the IPO showed us in 23? Eric? Well, they are performing a little better this year than the market. Um, yeah, that last uh, slide showed that the uh, I think they're up about 20, uh, maybe 32% for the year, um, something like that, um, or 25%, whereas the S&P, I think, is up uh, somewhere around 18% uh, uh, mm -hmm. right now. So IPOs have performed better than the overall market. Um, they're, they're just not, uh, there's just not many of them. And in terms of IPOs for this year, overall, uh, there's only three that meet the two criteria, and it's a very um, low bar to hit here. Um, first, I want them to have a price that's higher than what they closed on day one. And secondly, they need to trade more than $20 million of volume a day. And only three of those 71 meet that, uh, that criteria. And that's, that's believe me, that's not a, a tough criteria to, to beat. And Just real quick, I, 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 compared to 2021, how oh, many... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, could you just give us the numbers and, uh, you know, if you can remember off the top yeah. of your head what the oh, numbers were compared in, in, to 2021? Yeah, 2021, we had, um, I don't remember out of the 397 IPOs, but there were so many that doubled within the first three months. Uh, we call those rare jewels. And also um, by the, even just by the end of the year, we, we had probably 40 to 50% were above the day one close. And many of them had gains. Uh, if they didn't reach 100%, many of them had 25, 30, 40% gains. Um, we just don't have that now. And of these 75 IPOs this year, 
um, only 21 of them or, you know, less than a third are above their day one closing price. And um, you're looking also at um, only 44% um, are even, um, um, if 44% of them are more than 50% below their day one close. So if you bought some of these on day one close or that price, you're down more than 50%. Um, and um, there's only six that trade more than 20 million a day. And of those six, only three of the ones I showed before that are have any gains at all. All right. Well, what has been the best one so far in 23, Eric? Um, I believe the best one so far this year was that uh, next tracker. Um, it was the, that's a stock of, of that helps Never solar energy it. companies. Uh, they basically take solar panels and they hook up uh, a device that, you know, follows the sun better. So you get better uh, efficiency, more output, uh, when you have a solar panel farm, um, it takes a little energy, of course, to do that, but it's supposed to increase your efficiency enough to more than pay for uh, the device. And that's up about 38% from the day one close. And then uh, Acceleron, they, they are in biotech. They don't have any profits yet. Um, they do immunotherapy drugs. Um, I've looked into them a little bit. Um, they talk about monoclonal antibodies. I don't even know what they treat yet, but all I know is they have inhibitors and things. And uh, it, it's a it's a risky play. And I, I don't like buy IPOs that are biotechs. Uh, but then Kava Group, um, they're a Mediterranean um, Chipotle, uh, for lack of a better description. Uh, they also bought Zoe's Kitchen. And so they're growing. And uh, I always like to watch retail restaurants because if, if they catch on, they can continue to grow for many years. I mean, think of Chipotle, you know, McDonald's, an obvious one, uh, and many other retail restaurants over the years. If they get a great concept they can just grow nationwide uh, but that's so, two percent from uh the day one close so i think the big shocker on here is this next tracker because and i don't know how much you know you bring this in that you know to your inner market analysis but i mean if you look at solar stocks i mean you'd be you're getting right. absolutely crushed here is this just a the new kid on the street that uh, has better technology because you think of all the IPOs and you think about market relationships, you'd be like, solar, <laughs> hands off. How, how do you incorporate that into your analysis? Well, they're different in that they don't make the solar panels. They help everybody who already has solar panels. So okay. all the utilities out there who have these, uh, for lack of a better term, solar panel farms, they come in and say, we can improve your efficiency, increase your power output, but if you add our software and our hardware to your existing farm. So everybody else is competing on price for the panels, and they're coming in and saying, I'm going to help the panels you already have. So they're, they're a little different. All right, let's go into what to watch right now. I know you have some charts here that we can take a look at. Looks like Next Tracker, Samsara, and Uber Technology. Let's get into some of these. Yeah, let's let's talk about Next Tracker. So here's their stock on a weekly basis, and you know we talk about the different phases in the life cycle of a stock. Uh, this one is interesting in that it um, since it came out, it's still in the IPO advance phase, and it's been choppy. It's it's been uh, you know the graph shows that it's you know gone all the way from 30 to as high as 46, and now it's back around 42. So a 10% weekly move uh, is not uh, out of the question for this stock. So it's a little bit choppy um, and it's moved up in, you know, let's face it, the last four or five uh, weeks of this market have not been good. It had one really bad week uh, two weeks ago, but it's bounced back nicely. So that's a stock that's still in the IPO advance phase. Uh, Sam Sarah, it had a very short IPO advance, like three, four weeks. And then it came down and like 91% of all IPOs undercut its day one low and really uh -huh. undercut it. Um, then it's formed that nice uh, double bottom base there. And you can see that it's coming up the right side and it's uh, reached the old high. We call that the turbulent zone and it's corrected from there. So what I like about Sam Sarah and they work on the Internet of Things type of uh, devices is that look at how the volume has increased this year in 2023. And as it came up the right side, and now is forming this uh, new base. And I would be looking for this uh, to um, break out above 30 in heavy volume before I'd be interested. But right now, it's formed a great due diligence phase. It went all the way up to the uh, old turbulent zone and forming a nice base here. So we like to see that. And then all right. 
Oh, go ahead. And then Uber, uh, it's been around a while, right? I mean, believe it or not, it's been around about four years now. Um, so it's not a recent IPO, but it's new enough for us to still watch it. Um, it had a short IPO advance and, again, really undercut its day one low. And look at that big drop during the COVID crash. And then it came back strong. And then when the uh, bear market hit uh, beginning like uh, 2021, it came down again, um, formed another big deep base. So I look at this as, and it's a little bit odd looking, but I would say this is in a due diligence phase and uh, it's off the bottom. It's formed its first mature base off the bottom and rising. So I think it's in the institutional advance phase or beginning of it. It still has to get through the turbulence of the past. Um, but it, to me, this is a stock that they have greater, um, they have earnings now, uh, positive cash flow, and they're maturing. And so I look at this one as one of the IPOs of recent times that is moving on to maybe the institutional advance phase. Sometimes it, these companies can grow into their valuations too. I mean, the biggest problem with most of these IPOs, Eric, is they come out with ridiculous valuations. And that's why your stats are so strong. And like, obviously, you know, you're buying on day one of these, a lot of these IPOs, and it's really the underwriters that are making the money. It's really, you know, like Wall Street making the money at the expense of the investors. But there is cases where eventually some of these stocks do grow into their valuations. And I think Uber might be, you know, an, an example of that, you know, probably came out too high, took a lot of years, but finally starting to figure it out. But then he could talk the other story is Lyft, you know, when it came out. And obviously it's a completely different story where, you know, it come out and if you bring, I don't know if we got that chart there, but if you showed it, you know, we're up $40 and We've never even come back to being close to it. So two very similar businesses, but one obviously, you know, is best of breed and one's not. I mean, how do you as an investor, you know, when these things are first coming out, is it just, should you avoid them all on day one? Like, and just wait for, you know, because here we are four years later and Uber is finally starting to look like a reasonable investment where, and there's so many that are not. Should we just avoid them all on day one? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. That's the whole answer. Um, I, I thought for a second there you read the book, but now I can tell you didn't because if you if you even ask Get that, on them, Eric. Get them. <laughs> get them. First page, avoid day one IPOs. <laughs> avoid them. You never buy day one. We always say that. And the reason is, and it's exactly what you said, most of them are overvalued. They come out, and in Uber's case, it, it maybe has grown into its valuation a little bit. But yeah, we always say never buy day one. The vast majority undercut their day one low. 91% of them do. You can wait because you're going to get a better price 91% of the time. Wow. And in, if I could throw, I could show you 10 charts from 1975 that, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 10 of the 75 charts from t this year that they just all went straight down, straight down. I mean, even <laughs> this one Kava, um, I think, you know, when you read in the press, they'll say, oh, it was a successful IPO. It more than doubled from the price the night before. But you and I and the other people watching, we don't get the price tonight before. We're not as <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Like, you, like you said, Dennis, the venture capitalists and the insiders, they're the ones who make the money. And then we have to buy somewhere on day one. So that's why we like to measure from the day one close. And what's yes. kind of up from day one? About 2%. So yep. the night before people made 100% and everyone else is making two. Uh, what about one that's been out for a while here? Uh, Global Foundries. Uh, it, uh, that started back in, I believe, late 2022, and I'm just looking at the chart here, and boy, oh boy, I mean, I'm not, I'm just looking at the monthly, trying to, uh, trying to make heads or tails of this one. Uh, do you have anything? What, like, what, what, uh, what stage Global Foundries would be in? Based on the monthly chart, I'm looking at, I would say it's still in the institutional due diligence phase. Uh, they're trying to figure out. Uh, will this stock be a great growth stock for him? I don't know if you can pull up weekly. Um, it might show I sure can. But, but I can see from the chart, it undercut its day one low and uh, it formed a base. It's trying to, there we go. Oh, and, that's um, ugly. <laughs> and it, it tried to do advance, you know, but very short term. I mean, it had a, only a quick couple week advance above the old high and then came right back and undercut. So it's, to me, it's in the due diligence phase. And that's where institutions are trying to figure out uh, is this an investable stock? They're, they're watching the earnings. They watch the earnings and sales. Are they going to meet what they promised when they came out public? The chat wants to know, what about BFS, the hottest <laughs> oh. stock on Wall Street <laughs> Come right on, now? Uh, here we go. The, the Vietnam uh, car company, right? 
Well, yes, look, yes. it's like a two day wonder, right? There we go. Um, yeah, these are always, um, the, these are the stocks that um, when you're in them, uh, isn't it great if you got in early, um, but the, look at that, the climax top already. The, the key to me is just like, uh, you know, day before yesterday, you break out another gap way up and then you close um, lower. And then yesterday you undercut. Um, we've seen this before, right? Uh, these are the ones you better get in early and play fast. These these are not get the kind I go after. You, you've got yeah. to have quick fingers. Maybe Dennis can handle these. I can't. Oh, oh <laughs> no. I, I, keep but, it off the screen. Yeah. Uh, before yeah, just, we let you, accidentally buy it. Uh, yeah. Before we let you go, what do we what what's in the pipeline here? Would we have some potential big IPOs? Tell us uh, tell us what we have to look forward to. Okay, these, this is something to get excited about. It's been a rough year for IPOs the last uh, twenty months. Um, Instacart, the first venture capital backed IPO since December of twenty twenty one. They actually make money uh, in a grocery delivery business that has profitability. Uh, they've just filed for an IPO. They expect to. Uh, uh, raise about a billion. Uh, Clavio, um, they are a uh, company that I don't know anything about, so I'm not going to pretend to say I do. I think they do um, they do marketing uh, with your phone and uh, e-commerce marketing. Um, I don't know anything about them, but they, they expect to raise about $750 million. And then ARM, the big chip company that went private about eight years ago for $32 billion. I don't know how much they're going to raise. I couldn't find that number. Um, but I imagine they're going to probably raise uh, in the billions. I, I don't think they're going to sell the whole thing, but um, they are um, a company that's going to get a lot of attention because guess what? They make chips that are used in AI. So that's something to watch to see how the market treats that. Those are three I would be excited about. Again, don't buy day one, um, but you can buy soon after that if it forms a nice base and breaks out in volume. Man, all I got to say is Instacart. You had an amazing opportunity in 2020. I don't know why it took to now, but that, that's one thing that I would definitely say because I know I was a user of Instacart back in that time. I think a lot of people were. So we'll see what happens when it comes out. Always good to have you, Eric. Oh, it's great to be here. And thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. Eric Kroll from Kroll Asset Management, co-author of the Life Cycle Trade that Dennis hasn't read yet. And I don't think I've read it either. <laughs> I knew the first page. Get him, yeah. get him. <laughs> you send me an email, I'll send you a signed copy. Okay. There oh, you I like go. The there copy. you right. go. I like that. I have too to look at. Right. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. One, Eric. All right. Let's hey. go take a look into the markets. How are we looking, Joel? I was going to say, our interviews are just absolutely just great this week. I just have yeah, to pat myself. Yeah, they're I have to prepared. Have, you I know have, why? Because they're all prepared. That's the truth. It's not us, Joel. It's always dumb. But <laughs> hey, <laughs> See, we don't prepare. We wing everything here. So. <laughs> <laughs> it makes Dennis, us look well, good when people come in prepared. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh we're up a buck here we just we came in we're just hanging around unchanged here so uh you know a little by the dippers came in hanging unchanged so we'll uh we'll see what we got going in the open we gotta cover a few earnings stocks though yeah yeah amber. let's get into some of those uh let's do amberella uh q2 eps here at a loss of 15 cents beats the loss of 21 cent estimate sales of 62.12 million beat the 62.05 billion estimate they do see q3 revenues at 50 million to 67.6 million uh so the revenue is definitely not where it wants to be here amberella has been turning back down after recent rally what do you guys think Disaster. Their disaster. Was this, this was disaster. the GoPro stock. Losing money. Fifty million. Well, it used to be that it used to be tied in with it. Yeah, it used to be got other customers. So at least they, you know. It, it's it's had a story. It it's moved. And I mean, do they come in because they're buying the dips on stuff today? Maybe, but man, talk about best of breed, worst of breed. After this earnings report, I'm putting this company in the ladder. It is down twenty percent though on a day that they're looking to buy stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if it does bounce, but I think there's better long-term investments. 58.80, that comes in as your pre-market low, and then your low in May was at 58.15. So potential capital P support in this one. Uh, since you've made that low, if you're looking for more on the upside here, 
Uh, the rebound high so far has been 61, 67. We got to look at GoPro. Good old GoPro. Where Does anybody that? have the GoPro? Is it three bucks? Eh? Holy. Yeah. From 10. No it's one basically likes at all time no lows. More, man. <laughs> all, it's ba- well, it's not quite to the 2020 lows. It's got down to $2 in 2020, but it's basically giving back the entire 2021 rally. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's three bucks. It's a lottery ticket at this point in time. All right, let's go to one that's at least up here. PVH Q2 adjusted EPS at $1.98 beats the $1.75 estimate. Sales of $2.21 billion beats the $2.19 billion estimate. They increased full year plan repurchased up to $400 million. You guys like PVH here? The big difference when you get into the PVH and the Ralph Lauren and the VF Corp is they're selling the stuff. And they can sell it online still, too. It's not like they have these huge brick-and-mortar stores. Yeah, maybe there's a couple stores out there, but it's not like you're buying the Nordstrom's and the Macy's. I mean, they're in there. They see their their products in Winners. You see in, if you're in Canada, that's TJ Maxx. If you're in the U.S., I mean, there's just, you know, this is still stuff still gets sold everywhere. So it's a big difference. Like sometimes you just, you know, you got to group your retailers, but you group brick-and-mortar. I don't put PVH, Ralph Lauren, or even VF Corp in the brick and mortar category. You know, they're selling stuff. So, you know, people still wearing clothing. So it's a different type of retail and probably a better type of retail. Uh, kind of what? Not much pre-market trading going on. Uh, I'll just look at this $84 level. The only reason is you had a daily high at $83.86. So if it holds that, you can see things are pretty, pretty thin on the upside here. Um even going up to 88, um, that would be a heck of a target, 88, 72. But so far, they're liking the reason. When I looked at this thing this morning, I'm like, man, this thing usually moves about five, six, seven bucks off earnings, and it was only up a buck. And then now it, it's on the move. So uh haven't bought one of those shirts in a long time. All right, let's go to one that's hit hard, HPQ, HP here. EPS, 86 cents, beats the 80-cent estimate. Sales also beating, but lowering the estimate here a little bit on the lower end to 85 cents, but the higher end also above the estimate. So just a wide range here on the EPS to 97 cents versus a 95-cent estimate here. I feel like this is always a buy the dip stock. It seems like they disappoint on earnings. And then when you look at it three months later, somehow it came all the way back. So I'm not going to argue with you. If you're coming in buying the dip, I think you might have to wait a couple months, but I think eventually it's going to get back up to that 30, 31 area. So I don't mind the dip buy. I don't know if you want to be there on day one. Maybe it gets worse. I don't know the path to get there, but I think three months from now, things going to be back at $31. Uh, you're, you're filling some gaps in here, not at the low of the move, but you did have some gaps at the $28 area. So you can gap down uh, to fill that actual gap would be $27.80. You, mm, you didn't get that quite that low in the pre-market. It looks like it's already caught a little bit of a bid after that initial reaction. So you might have to step out ahead of that pre-market low on HPQ and HPE is not really moving that much, right? That's down uh, fractionally. Ooh, good level. I love this level here. 17.10 is a four-star here. If, in fact, it can take that out, five highs in that same area. I don't even care about the report for HPE. All right, let's start the wrap up here. Dennis, how do you see the market moving forward going into today? Buy the dip mentality is back in this market here again. We saw this with the overnight move. We were down. We're 10 handles higher from where we were. The AI story, NVIDIA story turned this entire market around here. As much as the bears were in complete control three days ago, the bulls are now in complete control. So I think you're buying dips. NVIDIA looks like it wants to get back to that 500. Unbelievable 452 days ago. Now it's getting back to 500. Looks like it's going to want to take it out. I don't know if it's going to be today or not, but man, the stock is unbelievable. All right, now I'll go to Joel to take a look at the ES and give us the levels to wrap up the day. And then I got to tell you guys all about Kathy. But Joel, what do you see on the ES for us? Uh, I mean, unchanged looks like a good level here. That's also mid range on the session. That chart last me, Joel, dip. chart me. We want to see it. We want to see oh, it. You, you know how they get. Oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> you got a kid. Uh, right. unchanged is also mid range on the session, and that's being uh defended. If in fact we could take out that pre market high, I can tell you, I just don't have, uh, I just don't have any identifiable resistance up to uh, forty five, forty four, seventy five. That was your August tenth high. 
Uh, as far as guests tomorrow, we are going to keep the guest parade going. And uh, Mark Chaikin's coming on. Nice. And, I know, and I know exactly what Mark's going to say. He, When he was calling for a pullback, he said he was looking for 4350 And you mm. know what the low of the move on August 18th was? Forty-three fifty. There you go. I don't know if he was referring to the cash of the gets future. it, baby. Yeah. Sometimes so taking gets the bacon. analytics. Yeah, gets the yep. bacon there, man. And I uh, just want to let you guys know. Of course, we got a big interview today. Uh, Going to be released at two p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. The Raz report with, of course, Kathy Wood. And I will give you guys a little bit of insight. He actually called this grayscale in the interview before it came out that the kind of what was going to happen. So if you want to learn about things like that, exciting moments, last time we had an amazing moment between uh, her outlook on what Kramer had said about shutting her ETF down. You don't want to miss it guys. Of course, Kathy Wood, ARK Invest, that's going to be at 2 p.m. Eastern right here, of course, on Benzinga. We'll see you guys tomorrow right here on pre-market prep. Like always get after the market. And let's see what we can get into today. See you next time, team.